Bible Speaks with Audley McLean. The Bible Speaks is a weekly ministry of Harvest International. Our prayer is that the Bible Speaks will encourage you in your study of God's Word. You will be able to contact Audley at the address given at the end of this broadcast. And now, here's Audley. As I come to you today, I think it's probably a farewell message to some of my listeners today. I'm not saying I'm leaving, not as far as I know. But I think some of you will leave and probably write me off because I don't fit into the mold that I'm expected to fit into as quote-unquote an evangelical Christian. It is true that 73 years ago as a boy of 15, I made a commitment to Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I was nurtured in a Bible-believing, gospel-preaching little church called the Galilee Gospel Hall, not even recognized then as a denomination and still not acknowledged by most of the people who meet as we met then. And with all of my ups and downs, spiritual failures, I still believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. He's the one who saves sinners and transforms them into what the Bible calls righteous people having the righteousness of God. The reason for my suggesting that probably my last message to you, whoever you are that will take umbrage of what I'm going to say, is because I have been misunderstood and taken for granted in many instances. Because I've come to believe, I've come to understand and experience and see that in the latter part of the 20th century and into the 21st century now, a group of Christians began to manipulate the authenticity of the church and began to think that they could blend together some kind of a religious, political combine that would accomplish God's purposes more quickly than he by his Holy Spirit wanted to do and wants to do. What I mean is that as the racial divide is exploited on both sides of the political aisle, there are those who would have me stand with a particular section of public belief as an evangelical. But now that America's not-so-dark secret has sprawled across the country and has spawned protests around the world, riots, terrible behavior by some wicked people, accompanying the peaceful protest of many who understand that things are what they are and they are what they've been. Now, I will admit to you as a person of... Now, here's a... We have a big problem here. I am defined as an an African-American or a black American. Let me tell you who I am. I am a person of African ancestry and Jewish ancestry and British ancestry, that combination. And I identify myself as a black man. But I believe there's a a sense in which 
over the years, a large section of the church would have me deny that there is a problem because in my little group or in that little group, I may be accepted. That's a very, that very word is troubling. And I want to share with you the message of the birth of the church of Jesus Christ. And so I'm reading from Acts chapter 2. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames of t- or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? they exclaimed. The people are from all the Galilee, yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians and Medes and Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. And we all hear these people speaking in our own language about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying they're just drunk. That's all. And then Peter, of course, we know, gets up to correct them, to tell them it's it's too early in the morning, even for drunkards to be drunk. And that what was happening was a movement of the Spirit of God, that in the last days God's Spirit would be, be poured out. Well, we have a situation today that prompts questions, and I've had the questions come to me in the last several weeks. And then I read an email that was sent to me. I didn't at first realize who it was from. It's from a pastor named Jason Sikorsky. And he writes, and listen, unless you live under a rock, you are aware that our nation is burning literally. I've spent some of the morning in prayer for our nation and the people in it. Not necessarily praying that our nation would turn back to God, a phrase we often use, but more specifically, that the churches of our nation would turn back to God. Now, let me stop uh, Sikorsky's letter for a moment. That's the difference. That's where I say I am expected to fit into one section, and I am supposed to create an alchemy with a political system that's going to save America. And I find it incongruous because this gospel that was preached on the day of Pentecost had all the nations together and the church which I encountered in the United States of America going back to 1952 was a place where one group met here and one group met there and ne'er the two shall meet. 
That was not an expression of the church that was born at Pentecost. And so it is the church to whom my remarks are directed, and not to America, because, as we shall hear from Sikorsky's further writing, he says that we, as believers, would submit fully to his leading, that we should seek the face of the one who alone can save, that we would bow in humility and beg God to work in us and through us to speak his truth of justice to a sick and dying world. I pray that a mighty revival will occur among us that we will reveal Christ and Christ alone as the one that can heal a nation through its families one soul at a time. So I may stop again and say, what I'm saying is there is no such thing as a national revival, a national redemption. It's an individual who lives in a community who impacts the other individuals and whose lifestyle makes him earn names like Christian or born again or saved, things that people see in you and in me as Christians that make them want to follow Jesus. The world is not going to change. It's a dark and dying world. That's why Jesus died. There's some who mock the idea of prayer, Jason says, that it is just an impotent superstition that changes nothing. Yet he invokes the great civil rights leader, Martin Luther. He says, to be a Christian without prayer is not much more possible than to be alive without breathing. Whenever there is racial discord, it is inevitable that Martin Luther King is quoted. Over the last week, this has certainly been the case the last couple of weeks. As we seek justice, as we seek equality, his name stands out as the great leader, the one who spent a lifetime fighting the battle the right way. What we do so often forget is that King was a seminary graduate and a pastor of a local church. Everything he did was grounded in the word, the worldview of Christianity. Now, I have problems, I must admit to you, about the worldview. The worldview is language we've adopted to make us feel comfortable in a society that is trying to do the Judeo-Christian thing. My friend, the Christian church is a thing apart from the Judeo-Christian thing. Judaism, as we know, brought us the Savior. And the Savior says that in me, all who will believe are saved. And I just think we are trying to do a job that we were not assigned. We're not assigned the job of reforming society. What we so often forget is that Jesus said, I am the way the truth and the light. And what we all forget is when Jesus walked on earth and when the apostles Paul and Peter preached on earth, their message was to those who would believe. The greater society around them remained unchanged except that this one was saved here and that one was saved there. Why do we expect it to change? God is still calling what you have entered into contract with him for. He's still calling it the narrow way. So, my friend, don't be surprised when your message is not embraced by the people in power. They are the standard by which God wants you to measure your Christian witness. You see, the founding fathers, King writes, were influenced by the Bible. 
The concept of the imagio, image of God, is the ideal that all men have something within them that God injected. I'll stop there. That's true, but only to a certain extent do we need to pay attention to that. We need to stand up, stand up for Jesus. The most famous protest led by King was the Montgomery bus boycott to protest segregated seating on the buses. King's protest involved simply not riding the buses, just ignoring the buses. No fight, no quarrel, just don't ride. And it was successful. My friend, I don't have the answer for today's problem, but I, as a person of color, living in this country, being in and out of it for the past 60 years, I know, I know what's under the underbelly of this, but only as you stand firm in the gospel of Christ. The answer is not in Biden. The answer is not in Trump. The answer is in Jesus. And in you, as you express Jesus in the common marketplace. As I leave you today, may I impress upon you by the grace of God that is later than you think, dear Christian. The darkness of our world is closing in. Jesus said, the darkness cannot outdo the light. Let the light of the gospel of God's grace show where you live. People are in hurting circumstances. Let Jesus work through you. And let's pray that God will move mightily around our world through his church, shaking and bringing glory to his great name. Amen. I've wandered far away from God. This program is cared for by listeners who care. Your prayers and financial investment in this ministry helps to keep the good news on the air. We look forward to hearing from you and invite you to write us at Harvest International, Post Office Box 6690, Ocala, Florida, 34478. Again, that's Harvest International, Post Office Box 6690, Ocala, Florida, 34478.